This podcast was originally the audio for a work of the same name for the Nearly On Red YouTube channel, found at youtube.com slash c slash nearly on red. Though not intended to be a standalone podcast, viewers frequently consume my videos for their audio content only, so I have duplicated my work in this format to hopefully save people a step. A full list of content and platforms can be found at nearlyonred.com or the short link nearly.red, N-E-A-R-L-Y dot R-E-D. Enjoy! So, Bunny Girl Senpai. Presented with the challenge of ending the season, especially knowing they had a follow-up movie to both tease and set up, the creators were presented with several options for this episode. A pattern had been established throughout the season of two to three episode long arcs centering around one girl and her crisis at a time. Kaede is the focus of our current arc, and so we expect to see her adolescent syndrome and or amnesia situation resolved. That would make a normal focus for the last episode of her segment. But it's also the last episode of the series as a whole. Kaede has been part of our anime all along, and Shoko and her mysterious involvement with Sakata in the past helps set up the whole story. They certainly could have spent a lot of time in the past or present or both by focusing on either of these girls. But a question arises. Is either of them as central a character in the series as Sakata, or even Mai? Thus, when it came time to conclude both our arc and series, we don't get every detail about Kaede and Kaede-san. We don't get a complete sense of the Azusagawa family. We don't get many answers about Shoko, but instead just add new questions, which we already thought might happen. What we actually get for our finale is mostly a focus on Sakata's reaction to the change in Kaede and Mai's reaction to what he goes through. As Sakata feared, the return of Kaede-san means that Kaede and all her memories have been supplanted. The person he has lived with and cared for and worried over for two years has disappeared as surely as Kaede-san disappeared in the past. There is no simple happy end where the two sets of memories merge. Sakata's emotional reaction to Kaede finally stepping outside, the day at the zoo and all her simple wonder at the pandas, the sense of victory at sneaking her into the school, those are all memories that he now shares with no one else. Understandably, he doesn't take it very well. The emotionally distraught Sakata we see through the first part of this episode is an enormous contrast to the collected problem solver we are most familiar with. It's not like he's been some emotionless robot or something before now. I mean, we've seen quite the range from him. Joy and fear and sorrow and contentment but he's always been just slightly uncomposed. This is yelling in hospital hallways and ugly crying in the rain, Sakata. This guy is as much a stranger to us as Kaede-san. If nothing else, then, we are meant to understand that this is a far more catastrophic moment in his life than those days when he thought he was forgetting Mai forever, or when he seemed trapped in Tomoe's time loop or when his friend's split self disappeared into the storm. Those weren't nothing to him, but the emotional investment does not compare to how he feels to see Kaede-san returned. I don't think it's entirely sorrow over having Kaede disappear, though I imagine it feels a lot like having his sister die on him. 
That might be simpler to grasp, if objectively worse. Rather, I think there is a confusing mix of emotions that overwhelm him. Loss is probably the dominant one, especially at first, but ostensibly he should also feel some happiness to have the sister that he knew for much longer back in his life. That one should come at the cost of the other is a terrible choice, and yet Kaede returning to a place where she can rejoin society has always been the goal. How can victory feel so much like defeat? Despite knowing that this was a possibility, it seems Sakata was not yet prepared. He thought he would have more opportunities to help Kaede, to see her take more and more confident steps into the world. Quite frankly, he likes Kaede, and he first got to apply his new purpose in life by being there for her. Part of why he met Shoko in the first place, and was receptive to the purpose he borrowed from her, was his feeling that he couldn't do anything for Kaede that he was helpless to aid her when she needed him the most. He regretted that he could not protect her from the bullying and the effects it caused, and regretted it even more when she developed amnesia and the Kaede persona to protect herself. Had he been able to protect her, to do anything else for her, she may never have needed to put Kaede-san aside. Now that Kaede is the one being put aside, all that regret returns and is amplified by the loss of the person he has known and loved for two years. His parents have only waited for their real daughter to return, putting aside the new Kaede and leaving her to Sakata. Meanwhile, he poured himself into making Kaede feel like she can be herself, and feel safe enough and confident enough to take those first tentative steps. His parents probably only feel relief and joy at this turn of events, while Sakata, who actually put in the work, is beside himself. Doesn't seem fair, does it? Sakata's strange injury returns in tandem with his meltdown in the rain, so at the very least it seems linked to him feeling he has lost someone, or just a state of extreme emotional duress. The other thing that seems linked to his downward spiral, though, is Shoko-san, who appears in the rain in such a convenient way that there is no way she's there by chance. Futabo will later suggest that Shoko the Elder may be some fantasy of Sakata's rather than a real person, and the way she appears this time around gives that an air of plausibility. That doesn't really explain Shoko the Younger, of course, though she seems to be MIA at the end of this episode when Sakata tries to reach her, so some link there is certainly implied. It may be that the reason she did not show up after leaving the letter two episodes back really might be because Mai was there, and Shoko-san will only appear to Sakata if he is alone. I can't help but feel like Sakata's own adolescent syndrome is affecting Shoko, though I'm sure we'll see that explored fully in the upcoming movie. Whatever reason or force brings Shoko into the scene is interesting, but what actually matters is the service she performs. Sakata is comfortable showing his vulnerability in front of her, and her nudging eventually gets him out of the rain and into a hot bath where he can better process all the things he is feeling. Shoko seems to know the details of his inner turmoil, but her knowledge extends even further, as she also seems to know Kaede's secret feelings leading up to this ordeal. I wonder now if that had anything to do with why Shoko wanted to meet him before this. Why ever it is, she also knows about Kaede's diary, and knows that this is the moment that it has been meant for. Starting at the beginning of her entries, we get a sense of Kaede the new person, confused about who she is and who she was. 
The gift of the diary and her name from Sakata affected her every much as it seemed last time. And after they move into the new apartment together, the diary becomes part of how she intends to pay his kindness forward. She realizes at this point that when she is healed, Kaede-san will return. And so in the interim, she is going to be as good a little sister to Sakata as she can manage. Her entries revolve around the major events of his life, entering high school, taking a job, and the succession of girls that he brings to the house. But she also picks up over time that Sakata carries regret over how things ended up with Kaede-san. She intuits that he is likely to feel the same way if she is right about her own disappearance. And so what does Kaede do? She sets goals. The goals aren't for her at all. The reason so many of them involve Sakata is because she is pursuing them for his sake. She wants to make happy memories with him, fun memories. She wants him to smile when he thinks back to these days. She knows her time is short, but she is determined to circle as many of these goals as she can. This is why she kept pushing herself last time. It's not enough to work her way up to going to school. She wants to do that and see the pandas and go to Mai's and the beach and all that before Kaede-san returns. She wants Sakata to feel that he really did a lot for her, to have tangible evidence that he has nothing to regret this time around. She loves him and was happy to live beside him, and she wants to repay his kindness by making sure he knows it. Hearing all this makes Sakata sad all over again and miss her all over again, and at first he feels as though he is betraying her intent, being so sad when she wanted him to be happy. But Shoko points out that the sorrow and loss he feels means that Kaede really existed to him. She was every bit a real person in his eyes. His dad isn't upset that Kaede is gone. To him, this was just a passing illness. The sense of losing someone that Sakata feels means that any happiness or nostalgia he feels about their time together is genuine. The depth of his pain reflects the depth of his affection. Beyond this cathartic release, the diary serves another purpose at the end, when Kaede-san gets a chance to read it. Though she doesn't know Kaede any more than Kaede knew her, the person that Kaede writes about the most is someone familiar to them both. It's unclear how close Kaede-san and Sakata were before her bout of adolescent syndrome, but considering his regret and his behavior with Kaede, we have to assume it was more distant than what we've seen in the series so far. Kaede-san has to recognize that all the effort that Sakata put into Kaede was for her sake as well. And if she didn't know it before, she now realizes that he is someone firmly in her corner. This is why she thanks him after she holds the diary thoughtfully on the day she is preparing to come home. He is just as thankful, for she was his motivation to become the new person he is, though she doesn't grasp his meaning at the time. But she does understand his intent and labor in the two years she has been absent. And so despite only having just come back, she believes she is ready to return to school. As she says, she isn't alone now. The two of them will be building a new chapter of their relationship, and will have to get to know each other anew, but the diary serves as proof of the kind of siblings they can be for one another. And Sakata's unwavering love through hard times is just the support that Kaede will need to move forward. She is reassured about her chances to face the future, while he has been reassured that all his effort to help her and be a new person in his own right have been a success. 
they end this episode in a very different place than they started it. Alongside that journey, Mai had to face a dilemma similar to Sokotas. Kaede-san returning was a tumultuous event for him, and Mai knows that as well as anyone. Because she loves him, she wants to be there for him, to support him the way he has supported her during both her own and Nodoka's episodes of Adolescent Syndrome. In fact, she assumes that he would reach for her the same way that she would naturally reach for him. It's surprising and even hurtful for her to realize that it isn't so. Yet Sakata doesn't understand that this is the problem at first, and thinks that she is misunderstanding his relationship with Shoka. Sakata is loath to show his own vulnerability in front of those he wants to support. He has been the one to help Mai, and her sister, and his sister, and his two friends from school. In his mind, perhaps, the act of support only flows in one direction. Because Shoko helped him in the past, rather than vice versa, he is able to lean on her, to show her where he is vulnerable. But he can't show that same side to those he wants to support. This is bad logic if it's what he believes, but I at least understand that line of thinking. It would explain why he doesn't grasp the situation with Mai at first, though his own previous feelings for Shoko are probably also a factor. Once Nodoka reframes it as Mai wanting to support him while he's having a hard time with Kaede, he understands rather immediately. He just went through the experience of believing he had failed to support Kaede, and the regret he felt was nearly paralyzing. Shifting his perspective over to think how Mai must feel eliminates the need to do some thinking, as he initially told Nodoka. The revelation that it is her birthday, and man, Sakata has really been out of it if he's forgotten that, that revelation means that he and Mai's misunderstanding cannot wait for a more convenient time. The recklessness of his flight out to where she is acts as a demonstration of faith, and so, in a lot of ways, just showing up helps smooth things between them. Mai and Sakata's rough day or two in the midst of our finale really demonstrates how fights and arguments are not necessarily a symptom of an unhealthy relationship, but can instead signal a healthy one. Both were operating under a misconception, but the fight and makeup allow them to talk it out, and the emotional burden each felt during the time apart gives weight to their makeup conversation. They understand one another a little better now. Mai knew that he needed someone to lean on and expected it to be her. She is bothered that she isn't doing anything for him, especially if he is turning to someone else. Sakata, for his part, has his mood lifted just by understanding that this is what she wanted, and does his best to reassure her that she is a help to him just by being there. Despite his tendency to hide his weak side from her, I think seeing how much it matters to her will mean that he is more eager to lean on her in the future. After all, doesn't he understand how it felt to have Kaede and now Kaede-san lean on him? And how terrible it felt to believe he wasn't doing enough? This willingness to come to Mai for help might matter quite a bit in the future, when the unresolved mystery around Shoko and his own syndrome may come back to the forefront. Now, despite the makeup and the affectionate moment Mai and Sakata are able to share, we are once again teased by a kiss that does not happen. I guess that is being saved for a climactic moment indeed. Between this scene and Kaede leaving the hospital that we already discussed, we get a rehash of our end credit song, sung in turn by the various heroines who have rotated duties throughout. 
It plays over a montage of Sakata's life returning to normal. All the fires are put out for the moment, though some things remain unknown and unsolved. If Kaede's bruising was the effect of adolescent syndrome, are we certain that has been resolved? Was the amnesia only a coping mechanism to deal with that ordeal? Or was it its own iteration of adolescent syndrome? After all, all the other girls' bout with the syndrome gives the impression that it is an elaborate coping mechanism. Mai's wish for anonymity, Tomoe's wish to navigate social waters accurately, Futaba's conflicting desires, Nodoka and Mai's envy of each other? All the adolescent syndromes they went through were a reaction to an emotional crisis they were experiencing. They almost seemed like a misguided attempt to help them out. Kaede's amnesia would seem to qualify from that point of view, yet her cuts and bruising don't match that pattern at all, and neither does Sakata's chest injury. Even leaving aside the mystery of Shoko, there are still lingering questions we have not resolved. I'm certain a lot of them will be dealt with in the upcoming movie. Although it would depend on when it releases and how widely it's available, right now I intend to take a look at it and put out another of these casual analysis, adding it to the playlist of these Bunny Girl Senpai excerpts that I have been releasing. Until then, I'm sad to say goodbye to these characters and all their delightful dialogue. Hopefully we will not wait too long. Title music by Russell J. Crowe, other music licensed from the artists at Audio Jungle. Script, performance, and editing by Theta. Theta is played by Redacted. Original video can be found at youtube.com slash C slash nearlyonred. And a full list of credits is available at nearlyonred.com. Until next time, thanks for everything.